0: I think there's a lot of talking so much about the finger and they're all pointing a finger at the same moon and they're all, but it's too much energy goes into trying to say, no, no, it's my finger. That's pointing at, at the right moon. Mm. Whereas I think the real purpose of what we live in universe world is that we're all required to start pointing at the moon Hello guys, welcome to another episode of with Joe weeby podcast. Uh, Apologies, I'm a bit sick today. I have finally gotten COVID, ran it down for quite a while, so a little rushed this week. But interesting episode. Wanted to keep working on the podcast and always try, try keep trying to make it more relevant and keep high level discussions practical for every the everyday. so sam harris was an inspiration for the episode we took a lot of the big themes like spirituality uh, versus science or maybe it's not versus science we talked about maybe the maybe the fallibility of science or limited thinking about science probably more accurate and glossed over a whole heap of stories and examples that relate to that so really excited to see what you think of the episode please don't forget to give um positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe on YouTube enjoy the episode. Yeah, so I find a lot of that stuff just leans into a lot of my not skepticism around science, but like maybe acknowledgement of where science is at. And there's a really big, would you call it a man man with a hammer bias? Probably not. Just an overvaluing uh tendency from people who are very like careerist about science and academia Mm. to Mm. say that these are the answers and they're grounded in objective facts. I mean, it's just to me that seems like the funniest idea in the world Mm. that there's objective. I think objective is like a thing you can approach. So let's put this in like really, really simple terms. Objective by objective. We mean that there is a a clear cut like fact that's Mm. that you can't question. Yeah. That's I, what objective AC means. Yeah. And that's and most pretty much every scientist like by and large, not every single one, but most, most scientists will say that that exists because that leans into the very left brain kind of thinking, the sort of stuff. Ken Robinson says we overvalue this in society coming back to our roots in the enlightenment. That's kind of taken a big volume in society and the way we think and the way we define knowledge and intelligence. And it's kind of, there's a bit of a fugazi there. <laughs> mm. There's a bit of smoke because I told you about that clip. Uh, I can't remember which talk show host. was Ricky Gervais, who's a staunch atheist. Yeah. Uh, they talking to one of the American kind of late-night late night hosts, and he's a Christian, I think, Ricky Gervais, atheist, and they're talking about you, know, you can't believe this stuff because science has proven it. And the guy goes, Ricky Gervais, but you don't understand the science yourself. You're believing in the scientists who have interpreted it. So you're placing belief in them. Mm. And that's the same thing that always happens. Like we feel confident in someone else's judgment about climate change, about vaccines, about, you know, fill the blank, health, technology, everything, right? We, We, politics often, leaders, we just place stock in other people's judgment. Like we build trust with them, rightly or wrongly. And it's kind of really the same mechanism that people come to believe in what we would normally call their spiritual or religious beliefs. Yeah. Now the case of the science thing is that that's grounded in facts and the other stuff is grounded in myths, but someone has to interpret what's going on mm. to try and say someone's a fact. And there's no such thing as an objective human being. No. No such thing. No. So... The, the, to me, the premise is flawed and people will kind of, I'm anticipating what's the kickback to this, but, but they've measured it, right? The- they've measured it, but like there's always factors that can't be measured always, I'll give you an example, marketing in today's day and age. We have lots of measurable forms of marketing, which makes people very happy. I can measure Facebook ads. I can measure click through rates, right? If I put up an ad on your Facebook. I can see how much it's costing me. So per person that actually clicks on my ad selling, you know, homes in Sydney, let's say, I can tell that for every $3 I spend, one person's clicking on that ad. Okay. So I've measured, I've formed this thing, this understanding that the money I'm spending is bringing in this much. So I might not do something like put up a billboard on the highway because I can't measure how many people see the billboard and then go and buy one of my properties. I can't measure it, right? Now, does that mean it's not valuable? And even those people might not see it and buy, but that might help them, that might influence their decision to buy in the future. And those people might see a billboard, be driving, and then go home, get on the computer, then see a Facebook ad. Then they're much more likely to click on that Facebook ad because there's more familiarity familiarity is a a way of building trust Hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that my company's any better or the product's any better it's just a brain it's a brain pattern that's forming so you can get caught up in the measurable but you know that brand is important right the most famous campaigns of all time are like a lot of the steve Jobs stuff like think different and uh think different and sorry the 1984 one and now i'm just talking about one domain which is Marketing,
1: We hmm.
0: you go into something else that's like a classic study and there's a, there's a book called Humankind by Rutger Brenner, Bra- Bra- Braun? Braun, Braun. I think he's a German or Dutch guy and he's just like combating all these studies that have been done over time that seem to show how cruel like human nature is. And there was one, there's one uh, called Milgram's experiments in the 1960s, which is very famous, which was trying to understand how the kind of Holocaust happened, how so many people went along with what we all consider to be this black and white, just radical, wrong, immoral ideology. And they, they got people to come in, participate in the study. And they got those people to shock someone sitting in a chair and there was an experimenter. So there's, imagine three people. Someone who's in a, who's the boss telling you, say you've come in for this study, Luke, they're telling you when to press a button to shock a third person. Let's say that's me sitting in a chair and they, and they, they keep telling you to up the voltage. So the story, and I was taught this study in psychology, right? And the study, they they said that most people kind of went all the way through, kept going to the highest voltage, even when the person in the chair in this scenario me is begging you luke to stop you keep looking at the authority figure who keeps telling you to shock shock me and they said like 60 percent or something don't quote me on it went all the way through even if like you know the person par- screamed or passed out or something they just kept telling them no no you got to keep going for the experiment and they, they took this as like this proof that oh people are just so willing to just go along with authority and i was taught this in psychology. And then you, you're left with that belief about human behavior. This book like critiqued the whole study, said it was so flawed. You know, a lot of those people like really were really actively pushed. They were recruited specifically. You got to remember when people are participating in a study, there's a selection bias, right? It's kind of like jury duty. Like all business owners can get out of jury duty in Australia. If you just own a business. Mm. Uh, People who'd be most keen to do jury duty probably don't get paid. So they'd be like more eager to go. That's not now becoming what's a representative sample of society now. Like it's impossible to get objective black and white truth on those, on those matters. So you get this guy criticizes the study. Like, I don't remember all the details. It's fascinating. It was fascinating to go through, but go, if I never read this guy's book and I don't know if he was even correct. I go my whole life just believing this thing about human nature and behavior because it was proven or shown in a study. Mm. Presented to me in a university lecture. So this idea of like objective knowledge is just like, to me, fundamentally flawed, but people put so much weight into it. Yeah. So, So I find it like incredibly difficult to go down that avenue of reasoning about things of like, there's these facts. We've just got to find these facts. And that's why I think that's why I think it's the truth is all in the spiritual stuff. And it's not, it's not, the word's not linear. The, it's it's not like, yeah, this objective dry fact. It's all in the nuance. It's all in the, the intangible, the things mm. we can't put into words, but feel to be true on a deeper level.
1: That's the, uh...
0: those are the doors to knock on for me. That's why that's yeah. like kind of, uh, path i I cause
1: yeah i think i think when you look at well-being as a sort of one of the one of the metrics you're looking for when you're making moral judgments kind of makes sense to me but well-being really is determined by individually it's very individually determined what's going to be good for you joe and what's going to be good for me long term if that makes sense
0: case in point if we both Sorry to interrupt you. If we both rated our well being right now mm. out of 10,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what number you'd say, right? And I don't know, I, I, I'd write a number. But how how do we know what you're calling well being and what I'm calling well being? Mm. And how do we correlate them?
1: Yeah, there's no clear way.
0: Your definition. And so if someone says 28 uh, year old males in Sydney on average have a well being of 7 out of 10 in May in May of 2022, all you're saying is that that's, they identify whatever their definition of well-being is. That, like, you might, you might think of it as, like, well-being is, like, I've got enough money to eat and I feel good tonight. I might think of it like the last six months have I been happy. So, like, what's the actual thing we're measuring? And, like, it just comes back to, like, you know, what's well-being? Yeah. It's,
1: like, after you complete a very difficult like physically strenuous run Mm. when you're training for something and it's like pretty much almost like a max effort physically physically your legs are burning and you're sort of just trying to get through it but then once you it's a different kind of pain there's sort of like a it's kind of like a underlying almost peace of mind in putting yourself through that. Like when you come out of it, I think I gave this example and it was in a previous podcast episode, Elliot Kipchoge says after the, after his long run, it's like they do the long run and then they can be free essentially. That's how he describes it. And I can, I can, I can resonate with that because for example, yesterday and today, after you finish, you kind of just, you're just floating around almost and your Mm. legs can be in agony but it's mm. almost like a pleasant sensation.
0: So it's almost like a Sam Harris, like a mindful,
1: quite yeah. a mindful well,
0: experience e- you're describing. Cause you, you escape the kind of, see, this is like the real goal. It's hard to, cause a lot of the language we use, I think it's, can get very risky because people might accidentally start to aim very low. Well, yeah. Cause, cause I think the real thing is, I think the ultimate, if you zoomed out, boom, 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 right. That, that transcendence idea. Like you almost, we're almost like part of our kind of generic purpose. Like everyone kind of has a similar purpose in one sense of like, just getting over yourself Mm. and escaping and overcoming the idea of yourself. Like I always, when we talk about open doors for others, that's like thinking about people beyond you. Yeah. And what you're talking about is almost just transcending the body. Like I have this body, it's this limited restricted tool but despite the pain it will go through, I can get this kind of highest sense of like joy and peace and freedom. Yeah. And I guess, and and Sam Harris is big on that. That's why he's so pro meditation. It's all about overcoming the mind.
1: He, yeah, he's always making, but in like control it. Yeah. In that scientific example, he's, he would say that that is a brain state. Essentially what I'm experiencing Mm. is a state of Mm. some sort of mental state, which can be studied essentially. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, how, yeah. but how would, it's so individual, like a lot of people that don't enjoy running will not put themselves through that because they don't enjoy it. I don't do yeah. it. I wouldn't do that if I didn't enjoy it. Like, yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I ultimately yeah, it enjoy, I enjoy the overall process. I, you know, you like the achievement side of things and you like just the feeling it gives you. So it's like, yeah,
0: that's, that's beautifully put. I want to, I want to segue. Yeah. Into, I was passionate about talking about this at some point, I want to call out this kind of lack of, and as Gilly would mm. say, with a lot of this stuff and the big, this big, awe that seems to happen. It, it gets into the bit of this, like religion versus science kind of stuff. Yeah. It gets into a bit of this, like, this is the way you explain it, or this is the right thing to do. I think there's a huge bias with figures like Sam Harris, by the way, generally like think great guy doing really good things. I'm just like, the nuances are very interesting. That's all. And I find that funny that they'll, you get into this place of trying to just, you, you kind of agree. I think there's any, any real, like when people disagree on something, I think they're both just not really seeing the full picture of the truth. Cause I think we just struggle so much with communication. I think human communication is like incredibly inefficient much more inefficient than we actually realize Hmm. it's, we, we very rarely realize that we're just, just look at relationships, romantic relationships as, as the classic example, companies, right? People get the wrong idea all the time from one another think they've understood clearly they haven't. And, 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 you know, when I listen to Sam Harris talking to Jordan Peterson, they kind of, it's kind of like this thing like, yeah, that's true, but it's science or it's, yeah, no, that's true, but it's because of religion. And they're trying to like, you're kind of trying to debate, it becomes very, all these definitional debates.
1: They're saying the same thing, just different. Like, they're yeah, making they're the, the same, same thing
0: point. differently, but yep. it's hard to overcome that desire to say, but my way of saying it is kind of the way, or I prefer to think of it as this, and they really want to push that. And I see myself doing that too. Like, when you talk about science, for example, to me, I can't see how. Science is separate from what religion tries to describe. And I think religion is not, it's not a, I don't even say it's not perfect. Cause not, not, nothing's perfect. I just, I, I think it, it's pointing. It's trying to point in the right direction at what can't be said. There's that, there's that famous Eastern saying like the wise monk points a finger at the moon. Do not mistake the finger from the moon. I think a lot of these guys who actually have a big platform, very high status, big commanding voice, I think there's a lot of talking so much about the finger. And they're all pointing a finger at the same moon. And they're all, but it's too much energy goes into trying to say, no, no, it's my finger that's pointing at at the right moon. Mm. Whereas I think the real purpose of what we live in universe world is that we're all required to start pointing at the moon moon being, I don't know what you want to call it. It always sounds very kumbaya <laughs> the truth, <laughs> the truth, God, the universe, nature, Yahweh, Allah. I don't know. Peace, peace of mind, love.
1: It's like the highest uh, just, just to, to ideals. Me, to me, they're, like all inter-
0: they're all a different slant of trying to say the same and describe the same thing. And, and Eckhart Tolle would call it like being, mm. just like the nature of the Big Bang. And I think everyone's just trying to like, there's a, there's a bunch of people called the scientists, and they're they're pointing at it. They're going, no, 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 it's, it's that way. you got to get there through like studying the facts. Then you got the artists, and the artists are going, no, no, you can't really look at it that way. You'll never be precise. You have to show this more nuanced meaning. You have to draw out the meaning and use metaphor and express it and show what it makes you do, not try to observe it. So that's what the artists are doing. You got, you got the religions who are saying, this is how you got to act or this is how you got to believe if you want to get to the moon, you got the philosophers, like the kind of Alan Watts style philosophers going, I don't know. I always think they kind of got the best big picture view. Like it's all. They're, I don't know, maybe they, what did the philosophers do, Luke? I don't even know. They're mm. kind of saying, like, you're all right and you're all wrong.
1: Depends what.
0: <laughs> you know, there's no right answer, I guess. Just, mm. like, accept it for what it is. They always seem to have the most alignment.
1: You're talking about the, 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 the DeMellos? Or? The
0: DeMellos, yeah, well, yeah, I'd say yeah. the Stoics, the DeMellos, Alan Watts, I might even say, I don't even know. It's hard to know the extent to which Jesus has been miscommunicated because there's so much talk about how his message, you know, he didn't write it himself, for example. But I think Mm. like, I think he probably realized it way more than we even give him credit for because other people had to interpret what he said and communicate it to us. So there's so many steps that it's gone through before it gets to us. It's so hard to know. It's funny. Precision. It's like Socrates. He didn't <laughs> write his own stuff. So mm. well, we have less confidence what the actual specifics were that he wanted to say.
1: Mm. I've got an example with the science versus religion or just something highlighting religion. I guess Sam Harris is trying to make a strong case against dogmatism, essentially. Yeah,
0: that's what he's worried
1: about. That, so he's that, worried
0: about extremism and yeah, dogmatism, yeah. the over-rigid, and that's... He's worried about the people who are looking at the religions and getting caught up with the finger.
1: It's like the science, what you're describing on the science side yeah. is happening yeah. on the religion side where it's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. shut yeah, yeah. your mind off. It's yeah. like the, they're neglecting the scientific approach of reason, mm. logic, testing assumptions, all that I, sort I of just, stuff.
0: I just think it's the end.
1: Yeah, well, I, it's the and. I can resonate with, I mean, personally... I don't resonate strongly with religion, but I can understand mm. religious values. Mm. And yeah, yeah exactly. A- as a metric for, as Sam Harris would say, increasing well being. But like I think of, because he just says there's no. Look, I do see what he's trying to say, but he just c- completely disregards religion and makes it almost a case that we don't need it. But I can think, I was talking to dad actually, not yeah. about going into deep, but I was like, were you religious? Yeah. and he said he's not religious but but then he was describing how when his parents were getting towards the later stages of their, of their life they yeah. found God and found like extreme comfort in in, in sort of the, that higher power it's like well. Mm. Do we dis- do? We know what impact we're having by saying religion doesn't exist? Why are
0: we throwing the baby out with the bathwater?
1: Yeah, it's like, well, how can... Then you can make the opposite argument saying if they didn't have that belief in God, they would have had a lower sense of well-being, essentially. Do you know what I mean? So it's not... There's no clear answer, and there never will be.
0: I'll tell you two true stories that come from, come from my family. <clears throat> First is a they're both very recent. First I was driving with my dad and uh, we're talking about someone had said that the the real motivation for them in business was the fear of failure. They were working hard to avoid letting people down. And my dad was, and I were driving up the coast from Sydney and he says, you know, I never, I never really, you know how so-and-so said that. He goes, I never really thought that. I never really felt that to be true for myself. My dad did. Well enough, obviously, in all his little business endeavors. And I think as a, as a father, as far as I can judge. So Ray, if you're listening, <laughs> but like in, in the sense that he didn't just work and create a comfortable life. Like he was present, we, you know, went to the footy games together. You know, he gave us the best experience. We traveled. We spent a lot of time together, meaningful time, and we've always been supportive. So I think it's pretty well-rounded, like it's good enough. And it's just talking about, you know, I never really had doubt not on a big level. Like I always just really believed things would work out. And I go, what do you put that down to? He said, and he just paused. Like it's almost like he couldn't really find the words. And my dad goes to church, you know, every week, but he's never really like, he's never, he's never kumbaya. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not like my mum, right? My mum's way more kind of overtly religious, but he, what he did say, he just paused and he just turned to me and he goes, It was kind of like a voice. Not my voice, but kind of coming from me. And it it always just seemed to like say, go there and that's going to work. And just used to be convinced by it. Hmm. So that's the first story. Make of that what you will. The second story is my grandmother passed away last year. I don't know if you know. My my dad's mum. My grandmother was quite a fearful lady, not fearful, but like she she was, she always had one of her children or grandchildren with her. Like we never left her alone because she kind of had, was was paranoid and scared, would get scared on her own if something happened because she had health problems and stuff. So she had diabetes and all these things. And she fortunately got COVID last year and she had to go to hospital and she was always a hypochondriac. So we're very worried about her, like kind of didn't tell her, you know, she had COVID. When she's in the hospital my auntie was staying with her by her side and she was very prayerful my grandmother so she's they're holding rosary beads and and got to a point where my grandmother who's always you know quite scared and terrified of being on her own was looking up and away from my auntie and it was like she could see something she goes she pushed my auntie's telling the story. She pushed my hand away and she was strong. Like this, this 80 year old lady, like she was really strong. Like she had all this strength all of a sudden and she just pushed me away. And my auntie didn't think anything of it. She went to grab her hand back again, her gloved hand cause she got COVID and she pushed it away again. And it's was like, she's saying, go, I'm ready to go now. And so my auntie just left. And my, my grandmother was just looking up at something and we couldn't see what it was. And so something, you know, and then she, she passed away. She passed away right after that, hmm. like she didn't want her daughter to be there. She was ready to, so this lady who was never, you know, for, for years and years since her husband di- uh, died, my grandfather died 25 years before her was never ha- like comfortable being alone. Where did the strength come from at the end? Now, one day, this is what I believe. Fingers pointing at the moon. One day, there will be a scientific explanation for that in great detail. I don't know if it'll be in 100 years. It might exist now. I don't know if it'll be 200 years. I don't know if it'll be 1,000 years. But in the meantime, I think you can observe the truth of it if you don't get caught up in the logic of it. When I say the logic of it, I mean the obsession with certainty and putting it into facts. Yeah. Cause certainty does exist to an extent, but on this deeper level of like what my dad's talking about with that voice. So when we're trying to figure out which finger do we look at to point at the moon, I think we can all just realize that everyone's kind of pointing in the same kind of direction. And so at some point you got to stop looking at all the people with all the fingers pointing at the moon and you've got to get the confidence to look at the freaking moon. And when you look at the moon, you look at this thing in the sky and it's just fucking beautiful. And then you stop worrying about what's happening on the ground. You've transcended it all. And you're just looking at this thing that is beautiful. And then I think as much as possible, you want to remember that because while you're on Earth, you try, you also look down, I guess, right? And you're trying to navigate the Earth. And so that's a metaphor, but like literally, we're trying to navigate like finances, stuff, sometimes finding a partner, finding where we fit in, figuring out who we are, yada, yada, or you know, lawsuit, I don't know, car crash, health. And you got all these things that suck you back down to looking here and you sort of forget that the moon's there. But I think we're all part of this big collaborative effort to just get as many people as possible pointing up at the moon. So that people will remember as often as possible to like, no, stop. And then, cause once you look at, if you're ever looking at the moon and Sam Harris talks about this, that feeling of awe you get, everything just disappears. It all just, your problems just melt away. You're somewhere else. You lose track of time. And so I, d- I never, I don't think debating around which finger is pointing the right way. I think they're all part of the same thing. I think, I think religion and art is trying its best, but will never be perfect at pointing out what science is trying to turn into basically like this, this flawed kind of concept called objective facts, but eventually actually they, they will converge they will converge because I think the underlying principles of it are not supernatural. So for example, do you remember we learn a lot about Aboriginal culture in high school, Hmm. right? Do you remember the story of the rainbow serpent? Not really. Okay. Well, an Aboriginal culture, I don't know if it's in all Aboriginal cultures. I acknowledge that there's so many different clans, tribes. So apologies if I'm overgeneralizing, but there's this, story to explain what a rainbow was. And the story was that it was this rainbow-colored serpent that was actually going from one pot of gold or, or pond in the sky to another one looking for pots of gold. And they've got this beautiful story around what the rainbow is, right? And that's been, that. who knows, that probably was created tens of thousands of years ago. And then now in the modern era, we come and say, Well, no, a rainbow is these fractured things of light, right? And we say the same thing about the the Judeo-Christian kind of creation story, like Adam and Eve, like not so much, Big Bang. Therefore, religion's wrong, science is right. Big Bang's a theory. And we get caught in this awe that one is true and the other's not. You know what the funny thing is? I can say much more in a fictional story than I can trying to write out facts to you. When I write in facts, people get bored and I get bored. But when I write stories, people can take the lesson and they can actually implement it better. And have you seen life of Pi or big fish? The movies, have you seen either of them? No. You yeah, so, know, so, Life of Pi is basically like that elaborate story around a guy getting lost at sea and it's all these animals and he's trying to survive on a raft with these animals, right? And I never really understood the ending, but you get to the ending and the guy is like saying, oh, they weren't actually animals, by the way. They were just other people, but they're basically behaving like animals. And he goes, which version of the story do you prefer? The one with the animals or the one with their people? And then big fish is similar. It's, it's got Ewan McGregor and Billy Crudup. I think his name is. And it's like a, a son who like hated his father. Cause he always told these, these stories that he realized later on weren't true, but really they all had a, they all had a degree of truth to them, but he would always just embellish them and, and jazz them up. And it's easy with this kind of Western modern science driven society thinking to go, well, that, no, that's what was true. And that wasn't, but It's kind of like the point of those, both those stories is that I don't even know how to articulate it, but it's like, it's the story of it that's more significant and powerful than the, the, the cold, hard logic of, of what happened. And it's still, sometimes it's even more true. Like they say, if you want to study history, read literature and the fiction of the time. Don't read the history books because the history books are still interpreted, but from the stories, you can, you can get a true indication of what people were feeling and thinking about. Right? Like 1984 when George Orwell wrote it and animal farm, uh, brave new world, like avant-garde art. Like it all reflects how they were feeling about post-World War II and this dictatorship rising and blah. so it's almost like, that's a very powerful indication of like the time. It probably goes really well together with a more, let's say objective account. But the objective is there's no, there's nothing at the end of that rope. I don't think it, it, it like, it's, 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 it's just like you're getting closer to, it's still a finger pointing at a moon. So I don't know how much of that makes sense, but like, there's just this, nuance that's easy to underappreciate because we're kind of taught that art is a luxury and science is what's going to move society forward. We got all these intangible benefits of art and storytelling and stories that are just much harder to, it's just like the branding versus measurable marketing example I gave before. Hmm. The impact is profound, if not more profound, but harder to appreciate, harder to just Grab your hands around. It's not the story you want, but storytelling is what made us evolve, mm. you know? And because there is no real one truth is that this is Einstein's thing, right? Relativity. Like relativity is like, who's got the right frame of reference, right? Someone going past a train sees, I can't get into the whole thought experiment. I don't remember it. There's it like someone standing on a train tracks and someone on the train and they go past. And what is it? There's a flash of light. And so because one person's in motion, there's two flashes of light. And so once one person sees them happen, like from memory, like simultaneously, the other one sees it happen like five seconds apart, which one saw it correctly? So that's the nature of like human perception. Mm. There isn't one human experience is entirely perceptual i.e. the matrix. (laughs) Like, there's no, like, someone's got to be the observer. Someone has to be the observer that says, this is the fact. So that means that it's flawed. So that's why you can't give someone like, this is how everyone does their career. You can't do that. You can't say, this is the answer for everyone, how you do a career. Unless you get super generic and go, do what's right for you. Cause it depends on your frame of reference and you can't say that one frame of reference is correct.
1: It's like if I try to all these problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like if I tried to get scientific about the things that I enjoy. Yes, exactly. How, like how, uh, you can't really run a formula or you can't really like, I can't describe to you. That's why I like the, I'm not, I would say I'm not, I'm not religious in the sense of the traditional, in the traditional sense, but I can't remember if it was you or. So, well, I yeah. love
0: that distinction,
1: spirituality versus religion. Yeah, Isn't that, well and the. Spri-
0: and, and there's still, what the hell does that even mean? But it's just helping us separate it a bit more. It's still imprecise.
1: Yeah, the, the, the understanding or sorry, the, the sense that we're not in control. I think you said that to me. I yeah. I'm big on that. idea.
0: Yeah. And Gilly.
1: And Yeah. So you're not in control. And I never actually thought about that. Cause I've always, I've always believed previously more in this rational sort of thinking, even though yeah. for largely, largely we're not rational. Like we don't always, yeah, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, it's you the, know, we don't. It's the degree of rationality. Yeah. It's yeah. very rare that I'll sit down and, you know, plan, plan things out in that sense. But the more you look at how things, um, have come to be in your life, the more you're just like, what's going on? Oh, this is my whole case. Yeah. yeah, So so, you know that, yeah, but but I would then like more traditional religious stuff. I kind of can't, like, I don't resonate with it. There's not that thing, that internal, do you know what I mean? There's not that internal sense Mm -hmm. that I get.
0: It's eroded as
1: well, obviously, as you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's probably a good um, segue into talking about spirituality or how Sam Harris describes it. But essentially, I might just, uh, I might butcher this, but okay, so Sam Harris describes it as the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul no no sorry that's the that's the definition the dictionary definition which is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things Mm -hmm. sam harris in the in his book free will describes it as is a name for all of the deliberate efforts people can make to cut through the illusion of the self the illusion that there is a thinker in addition to the thoughts or an ego or an ego as it is often called what do you think about that?
0: Uh, it's a pretty good definition. Mm. I know it's a pretty good definition. And so like, it kind of, you can run that through everything we've talked about today. I don't know if we'll put everything in the actual episode we publish on this, but as a, as a recap, like you kind of get caught in this, trying to think rationally through things. Yes. And now more than ever, I'm abandoning that. For example, like we did a Liam and I at constant were working on this course for months right? This program course, whatever you want to call it, yeah. our personal brand. And I think we might do it in the future, but we spent all this time in it. We prepared webinar, we got people on board, all this stuff. And we lined it up and then no one bought it. No one bought it for a couple of reasons, scheduling, timing, where they're at, not ready for it, financial commitment, all, all these factors. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what's the logical thing to do in that situation? What's the logical thing? So you try and try and think through something like that. Like, oh, do we try again? Do we completely, sh- do we just abandon it? Do we, it's so contextual and specific. If you're going to try and do it in this pros and cons kind of way, mm-hmm. you just be going like endlessly. Cause if you write all the pros, write all the cons, you have to weight the pros against the cons and now you got to this point where there's so many interacting factors, you need to be bloody. Most people would say Albert Einstein, but he wasn't known for being a mathematician. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a famous mathematician. Bertrand Russell, maybe you would be like Bertrand Russell or something some, to, to figure it out yeah. if you're gonna use some sort of formula, but still you gotta, you gotta wait what those pros and cons are to you. Cause I put you in the same situation I was in. It's completely different. Hmm. So you kind of destroy this idea of like, you can cold, hard rationalize, rationalize where you think. And you just, can't. at the end of the day, what you do have, we talked about intuition in the Robert Green episode. You've got, you've got a gut call on what you kind of think is right. Mm. You know, which for us was to show it and start focusing on this actual, this marketing and agency and consultancy work to subsidize constant student that seemed to be calling at us because people were asking us for help with stuff that was in that area. Hmm. And so that, and that correlated that, that wasn't just, we didn't just do it cause people asked it correlated with how Liam and I felt about what we should do. So you need to be able to tap into that feeling. And so I think the ego to come back to what the spirituality is, the ego is often yeah, giving you that narrative around and no, no, I've got to prove myself. Hmm. You know, I got to assert myself. I've got to, you know, I put all this time into this, Mm. right? I've got to justify that time because I've got to get from here to here. The ego is a sucker for like tangibility, certainty, all these things. Cause it wants to, it wants to create a narrative around your significance, right? I feel like the ego is a byproduct of being status seeking creatures Yeah, because status tended to help us with survival. So the ego is just this elaborate tool to help us. Automatically jump to what's going to give us status without having to think about it too deeply. In the same way, being afraid of cliffs just is the shortcut to cliffs are bad. Let's yeah, just yeah. cliffs for human beings, right? Yep. So the ego is basically like, let's just shortcut things. Seeking status is going to make your life better, but it's just become so out of touch with reality now because of how much the world's evolved materially, mm. and so it's no longer true. The ego is not true. So that when we talk about frame of reference and everything, the thing we know is not true is what the ego alone would say. Because we know <laughs> that's only slicing off a piece of the cake. It's not the, it's not the whole cake. It's taking one part of the map and saying this is the world. So we always know that that's not the truth. And that's why it's easier to define what's not true than what is true, which is what DeMello and all those guys say. So I love that idea of the spirituality because when, when you feel like you, we talked about it before it's moments of awe and freedom and peace of mind where you feel most let's say I don't know if spiritual is a adjective, but that's when you feel like you're most elated or and so that's when you that's when you have taken the air out of the balloon of your ego, so to speak you've let you've let the air out and then everything is just ah.
1: Hmm. I think uh, the mindfulness, the way he is very big on mindfulness and actually the practice of meditation. And it's more yeah, around, yeah. yeah, and it's more around, it's more around sort of for me at least, cause I've been doing it for maybe it's, it's a very short period of time, like probably just over a month of practicing yeah. it, but it's, it's, it's helpful to get in touch with sort of just. The only way to actually, or one of the most effective ways to get in touch with who you are as a human being is literally to just sit and try not to judge mm. anything. And, and, oh. and, it is a, it's a guided, well said, yeah, it's a guided, well, it's a guided meditation. So basically you sit down, I'll give you a bit of a, I'll give you a bit of an Here example. Here we go. No, waking no. So up you, w- waking up with Luke. You no, know, you sit down and you focus and he gets you to focus on, on the breath and sort of close your eyes and and you hover you hover your attention on the breath and then you try and you try and focus on the breath and not control i guess not control the breath but just just feel the rising and falling of your chest Mm -hmm. that sort of thing right Mm -hmm. and then it's basically just 10 minutes of analyzing what's happening in your conscious awareness so mm. obviously you're getting thoughts, emotions, mm, or sensations, mm. and it's, I guess it's training your brain to be aware of what's going on within you so that you don't get caught up in your, in, in the ego, in your thoughts and all those sort of things. It's, it's very difficult because the way we're wired is to just sort of not be conscious about all of these different things happening, especially uh, think about all the, like the thoughts that come in your mind. Cause it's very, it makes a very clear point of focusing on your, uh, your thoughts and seeing what are they like when you see it, try and, try and focus, try and, try and actually guide your attention towards the thought and see what happens. And for the most part, your thoughts just, they disappear, but you can spend, you can spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes thinking like following one thought to the next and then that's how you actually can either spiral down or it works in the other direction when you're having a good when you're having a good day or you something good's happened. those thoughts just then start feeding them and saying oh yeah good job good you did this oh yeah that was nice." and and then it changes your mood but it's more just being aware aware of what's what's happening and i think i think if we talk about practicality the practical element of that is to understand that thoughts are just thoughts. Like there's, yeah, yeah. The, I
0: always call it autocorrect. It's like thoughts, thoughts are like autocorrect. Like just you got to decide if it's actually what you want to say. Yeah. And the state of not being aware is you always just say what autocorrect says. But when you focus, it's, it's, it's just, it's just suggestions. Yeah, so exactly. That's a thoughts. good way to look at
1: it. That's a good yeah, way yeah. to look at it. But when you look at a thought and it goes away and sort of, it makes you focus very clearly on the, how things are, it's just the ebb and flow of consciousness. The Things change, like you focus your attention on sounds and sensations and you hear them and they sort of f- arrive and disappear. You can't control the sounds. You can't control these things, just like you can't control a lot of the thoughts that go on. And for me, from a practical perspective, it's not, it's, it's sort of freeing to know that, A lot of these things can't actually hurt you. Mm. It's our judgment of them that, that causes a lot of the problems. It's very difficult. It's a very difficult thing to do because it's like, I feel that, I feel that I can have an awareness of these negative emotions and thoughts, but because we've been programmed so heavily, it it captures our awareness. Mm. But by sort of, by practicing every day, just that sense of awareness, I think it just makes you, it's made me a little bit calmer, a little bit calmer, and also just have a better quality of mind. Or even, even when I have a good state of mind, I'm sort of aware about what's happening, a little bit more aware. Like you catch yourself just being, oh, that's nice. And you sit back from the actual experience instead of, it's very hard, to... I don't know how I'm coming across, it's, it's quite no, difficult yeah. to yeah. Yes, describe. Yes,
0: you're spitting gold. I think that sells it better than I've ever heard it.
1: Yeah. That's so, it. and I think it's been very. Just one sec. Yeah. Like
0: I'm gonna leave recording. I'm busting.
1: <laughs> okay. All good. Awesome. We'll come back I was in a to second. Meditate
0: while I... Sorry, mate. You are all right, mate? No worries. One sec. I can't hear. <laughs> oh, that feels better.
1: <laughs> That's good, mate. That's good. <laughs> that was a great.
0: That was a great segment,
1: though. Yeah. Well, I would think. Segment. I think, what was I saying?
0: Well, I'll come back into what you're saying about that judgment thing with meditation and not judging. You come to this beautiful fractal idea, the way things are on the inside, they should be on the outside and vice versa. It's the way you want to approach the world that seems like the healthiest way to live is the non-judgmental way. And people who listen to this will always hear us uh, give shout-outs to Gilly, but that's one of the biggest things I appreciate about him as a, as a friend and guide and good, good leader, I think is what I've always tried to embody, especially from when my understanding of so much was shattered during all this Nepal stuff. It was like, Oh my God, we, 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 we rush to judge things or assess if you don't not this person's, I'm not only saying this person's bad, that person's bad, but like judges in, I think I know what's going on there. Hmm. It's just so hard to ever, There's very few cases where you really can be assured about that. Mm. And what you really want to do is be constantly just have your wits about you and your senses about you just to filter everything and just try and understand it, not rush to judge. I give you some everyday examples for the smallest is like someone sends you a particular type of message or they're not responding to you. Mm. Our easiest thing is to just fill the void and judge. Oh, they're not doing this because they don't appreciate me or they're speaking rudely because they're a dick or, you know, but really it it, it could be anything. You're best to either just let it be or try to understand if you really need to figure it out Mm. in a respectful way. And you can go broad on that. You can look at people who are uh, on social media, for example, that express views that you disagree with, or you think they're carrying about something in the wrong way. And it's easier to judge. It's easy to go. they're, They're whinges they're sour pusses and maybe they are (laughs) and maybe like you don't have anything to do with them but and but that's easy it's emotionally satisfying what's more effective is to probably try to understand what would make them behave that way and when you every time i've ever been able to close one of those loops around why someone treat me that way why someone reacting with hostility why these people always carrying on and pointing the finger at others there's only actually a really sad story behind it or something i could really empathize with
1: mm.
0: which is that they, but it's so hard to assume what it is it's so hard to know unless you take the time to under, like for example people only really lash out when they feel like they don't have control or they lack self love mm. right mm. people who, who are comfortable in themselves don't look for all these causes to latch onto People who latch onto what we might consider to be conspiracy theories and uh, all this other stuff and really extreme views, they normally, and like sometimes there is truth to that stuff in extreme circumstances, but for the most part, they really lack control. They're scared when they don't have a sense of control and they can't tether what's going on in the world. And that's why they'll latch onto a story that makes sense. Hmm. And fills that void to them. So that there's someone else to be angry at because when you're comfortable in yourself, who cares, right? It's like the person in the movie, when someone's got to die, someone's got to die. We can only fit five people on the bus. They always turn to the old person, you know, but the old person goes, ah, oh, I've had a good life. <laughs> uh, when, when, when you have a good life, you just, you're not, cl- you know, cling, mm. right? You're not clinging. You're not emotional about so much. And it's funny to say, but it's quite a healthy place to be when you're actually not attached to your own life.
1: Mm. I think if I can add something, it's like
0: our our death thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, if I, I, I think I definitely agree with that. And if I would say like analyzing just the mindfulness practice or the mindfulness element of that is basically sort of understanding that you're going to have a reaction and sitting or, or if you are ha- experiencing a reaction, understanding that it's just another appearance in consciousness, and you don't actually have to respond. So it's almost creating, it's creating that gap between stimulus and response mm-hmm. by by yeah. doing having that mindfulness practice. I I can't remember why, but this guy Peter Atiyah, who I listened to yeah. his yeah. podcast, he's been on Joe Rogan, he has his own podcast, yeah. and he was Tim Ferriss. Good Tim, thing. yeah, 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 and he was going through uh, saying that he used to be quite angry and he was explaining how, uh, mindfulness practice helped that. And he gave that example. And it's so true. It's like, for example, you get a text and, uh, or you, or you text someone and they don't respond. And like you're saying, you, you it's like, oh, they just don't, they don't want to speak to me. It, you It's the ego. It's like you're protecting, you're trying to protect yourself. Right. But, with mindfulness you you sort of have more of an understanding of what's happening like you can see it a bit better like even if it's just a little bit better it just means that maybe you won't send you're not going to send a a, a snappy text or you're not going to react in that way and that has nice flow on effects with your relationship so i think the practice is very is incredibly practical like it's just a. that's why i love sam harris's explanation and his that's it's a very positive thing he's trying to do which i resonate with
0: completely completely applaud him and encourage him to keep doing it that, it's not easy that stuff that's why it's, it's a practice like you, when you first realize this stuff like the non-judgment and how powerful that being mindful and is to not, to not rush in and put a, put a gap between stimulus and response. Mm. You think bloody hell, how the hell am I going to live that way? Mm. Like things are always coming at me. Um, the boss at work, girlfriend, boyfriend, mum, dad, you know, old parents that are giving me headaches and kids. And you just think, oh God, how could I do that? You just think so, so often you think it would just be easier to just be snappy and judgy <laughs> mm,
1: it is it is like it, easier yeah, in the moment it, sounds, the it moment. sounds so
0: hard it sounds so hard but it's so acquired mm. that stuff is so acquired it's it, it, you, you're conditioning you're still impatient at the start mm. you still just want people to behave the way you want them to behave and then when they deviate from that you feel the response
1: mm.
0: when they do something offensive to you but I've noticed it slowly improve over time for myself to when someone does something that initially triggers a certain reaction from me to just be able to be more patient. Like I can feel it rising, the ego rise, like someone. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's
0: yeah. something. I had one today where it's like someone's responding to me after asking for my help, and then they're creating all these excuses after asking for my help why they can't do my, the ideas, I'm giving them the ideas they ask for mm. and they give me all these excuses why they can't do them. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, don't ask me blah, 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 if you're going to react this way, but I'm like, no, Joe, you know, but I feel the urge, you know, the urge to tell them so I can get the win, so I can get the lift. Yeah. That's that. I, I can feel it, but I'm going, no, no, no. Don't let that horse run out.
1: Move yeah. away. Move away uh, from this now. And that's the funny thing with yeah, that's such a good example because you can see it arise and being what I found with mindf- mindfulness is at least is because it's a daily practice, you're sort of reminded. You don't always win that battle. Like no, you and, and you never will because it's like it's almost like it just takes... A, depending on the strength of... Yeah, hijack. It
0: does. It hijacks you. It's your physical... It, I call it ego hijack.
1: Yeah. And if that's... Something
0: will happen that just triggers an ego override.
1: Yeah, and that's very Robert Green with the shadow, right? When we were talking about yeah. the shadow is... Yeah. That's that element that comes out or say you, you experience jealousy and you experience envy and it's it's more... I think you struggle more when you don't see, see it for what it is like, okay, that's envy. Yeah. yeah and you yeah, just yeah. let it pass or you say, okay, why am I envying? Well, I might see something in that person that is something I wish I had and I'm jealous or envy. So it's like, it's more, it's very, I like Gilly's thing. Just be, he always says, just be. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate. I love that. It's, it's that's a good. When
0: I saw him before about that metaphor of the moon pointing mm-hmm. at the moon, that's another If, if, if that, in that metaphor, when you don't do look at the moon, the moon has two words written on it. And those two words are just be (laughs) for sure. That is completely airtight. It's what the core of any decent religion is trying to point people towards, even if it gets miscommunicated, it's what science will eventually, when the quest of science is resolved. In that it's infinite so it won't be resolved in the way we might rationally think about resolution but that'll it'll arrive at that conclusion when you're getting taught the, the journey of spirituality the journey of your career the journey of romantic relationships and love it all weaves back all paths lead to just be mm. the answer is always just be mm. each and every time how do i attract you know, I, but you scoff at it. It's too simple. You used to say, how do I get, how do I get a girlfriend? Just be yourself. Hasn't been working.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? But then Robert Green's telling me I need to, I need to do this and I need to dazzle them. And I need to make them feel a little bit, plan their insecurity a little bit and blah, blah, blah. How's that just being myself? So it's all, it's all, it's not just, you know, it's, it's a, it's this big wishy-washy murky gray true, true thing. Truth, Mm. right? It it doesn't, doesn't seem that simple, but just be yourself, but just be. But then, you know, when I surrendered a lot more and then when I could let go bad ideas I had about romance and stuff, then it was easy. Then it becomes easy to attract and things just start falling into place. Just be. But sometimes I know the answer is just be, but ego hijack is on and I'm like, all right, I'm. I've been through this enough times, uh, but how do I just get out of here and go there again? Mm. Uh, like, wh- wh- where's the button?
1: Mm. The just be is like I can give the example of going to a new workplace, yeah. where you you feel the you feel the tendency to sort of either please or not mm. please, but sort of just fit in. Without, Adapt to their... Yeah, yeah. yeah like, for, not not in a negative sense. It's more like you're trying to say things to maybe impress someone or... Mm. But ultimately, people just want to... Do want to see your authentic self. So, it's like...
0: Yeah, it's like cold emailing. Like, whenever <laughs> people put up like, oh, how did you get through to so-and-so? And, and when people... Like, this is how I got through to so-and-so. It's like, oh, they just sent them this super authentic message. Hmm. But then just be so hot because it's not all right. I'm going to go try and write it and make it sound authentic; it won't even come across that way. You have to be it.
1: That's because you you're know, not. It's like it's like yeah. just tell
0: Nike instead of just do it, Nike. It's like just be it. <laughs> yeah, you have to embody it, not mimic it.
1: Yeah, I think I think the mindfulness one is is huge, and you probably have. I don't know, just a lot more peace, a lot more peace and a lot more tolerance and a lot more understanding of, that's the biggest, that's another big thing is like getting more in touch with, oh shit, I'm a human being and mm. I have all these urges and these are pro the, all these things are programmed in me from mm. as a, as a process of evolution and sort of just being, trying to become comfortable with that fact because i don't know you start off especially when you're young or that's my experience at least when you're a teenager you're just so caught up in your own ego and your own insecurities because obviously you're growing up and you're in a you're in that dynamic where you just but imagine if you had a mindfulness practice when you were young like starting from when you were young can you imagine Mm. like how much like all the pain you go through as a teenager from not having no awareness about yeah, like yeah, all yeah. the things you worry about mm. are almost irrelevant. And you that's, only that's know my that. Whole,
0: that's my whole case. This is my whole case. So to wrap up, cause I thought about it. The answer is really here, right? Mm. Why is this stuff useful? Yeah. Why is this useful? Cause people might think, I don't want to talk about morality. I don't talk about free will. I don't talk about spirituality. I've got to worry first about mortgage job, uni, assignment, um, getting invited to more parties. I'm overwhelmed with my options. I don't know who I am. Like, I don't know what my future lies. I'm scared about what's coming. I've got to do this, 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 this week. I've got this list of shopping items to do. And so this is like where a lot of people might live. Mm. So these are the problems, not, oh, oh God, nature, just be all right, well. When I have the luxury of <laughs> some time to think about that stuff, then I'll, then I'll indulge mm. this conversation. So there's a famous Hollywood film called Citizen Kane. I doubt you would have seen it.
1: I haven't seen it.
0: Or heard of it. And it's made in 1942, I want to say. It's a while ago. A while ago. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you kind of what happens. So it's a black and white film, 1942. And it's about this guy called Charles Foster Kane at the start of the movie. He's some rich guy living in this big, huge mansion and he's, and he it's, he's on his deathbed in the opening scene and he drops this snow globe and says the word Rosebud and then dies. And that's the first scene and he's, he's, he's made his, so he's rich. So imagine someone rich, famous, right? It's like that. He's a media tycoon and he dies. So there's a lot of attention about his death mm-hmm. and they hear this word Rosebud His maid he's the word Rosebud he says, but they don't know what it means. So they're all curious, trying to figure out what's Rosebud, what's Rosebud. And the whole movie is this journalist going on a journey, interviewing people, trying to figure out what was the meaning of this last word he said on his deathbed. So they go through his story at the start. He's a, he's a young boy playing in the snow. And inside his parents can't afford to like give him a good life. So they're, they're selling him essentially to this banker. Good Mr. Thatcher. And the banker takes the boy away from his parents to be raised. And then he'll make him rich when he turns, becomes of age and he'll raise him. And so Charles Foster Kane's taken away from his parents, the, the poor upbringing playing in the snow. And then he's goes with this guy and then he, takes over this newspaper and then, you know, he, he makes a lot of money cause he's just given this newspaper business. And I think he runs it into the ground. He tries becoming, um, a politician and he fails. And then he also tries to like get this wife, um, and make her an opera singer and build an opera house for her with his money, but she's not very good. And the whole thing kind of falls apart and. At the end of the film, they never figure out what this Rosebud thing is, Mm. right? And this guy spends his whole life alienating people, trying to manipulate them. And he's rich. He's got everything. He's got this big mansion, but he's all alone in it. There's no one there, but he's the people that the house stuff and he, they just never can figure out the answer to his life basically. But then the last scene of the film, very famous. They're burning all his belongings. The journalist gives up, walks away, but they're burning all his belongings in the fire. And then there's a sled and they throw the sled into the furnace, but the camera zooms in and it just says Rosebud on it. And it's the sled he had when he was a young boy playing in the snow at the start of the film. And it's a symbol for the only time in his life when he was truly happy because in trying to give him a life they cut him off from the one thing that really gave him a life which was love family the joy of play and he spends his whole life trying to make up for that void by chasing all these things all these spinning shiny objects and wheels hmm. And it's like, it's just what you said. It's, it's the ego and not being able to just be mindful of it. And then it would have, he would have had a chance of overcoming it. Hmm. And that was made 80 years ago. And I think it's just so relevant today. It's just that, that, that is the story of what is derails so many people's lives.
1: Hmm.
0: And the conversation, this, this spirituality, mindfulness, mindfulness, the things I talked about today, they are the things that just help you. Cause when you have that stuff, it's just going to the fundamentals of what's just gonna make life peaceful and good. And you will actually have joy instead of having things that don't equate to joy. And it just sets the bedrock for an actual proper life. And you overcome all that, all that stuff that people would pay they would pay therapists to try and fix those problems. They would spend years going down a certain career path. They'd put up with all sorts of stress to try and get somewhere. They'd go through the emotional pain of trying to turn unconsciously try subconsciously trying to turn people into tools that make them feel a particular way about themselves, but ultimately failing and doomed to fail from the start. Not being able to have relationships, never being able to feel a sense of peace, never feeling life is meaningful, having all this regret being sad and melancholic, being truly alone. So the consequence of not doing this stuff, I would say when I was thinking about it is all that, all that. And the pain, painful, painful reality is that if you can just pick the right spot to focus in, you will pretty much never be perfect, but you'll, avoid most of that and it is probably yeah, it is mindfulness it is having having your own spiritual journey and to use the metaphor we we're talking about before it's being able to look up and see the moon hmm. and not spending all the time distracted looking down and going past all these people pointing and to transcend it to transcend religion to transcend science They are all one part of a bigger tapestry. None of them is the full picture itself. And that the path to get there is much more about the mindfulness stuff than it is about any, anything else really. Hmm. And that's why I boil down to why is it important? Why is it significant? Because it's the small matter of it's everything. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but it's so easy to discard as a fluffy conversation.
1: Well, you that state of mind is your entire experience.
0: It is your experience.
1: Yeah. It, it's your, that's your con- That's where you live in your head.
0: You don't have a choice. No, you don't have a choice in the matter.
1: <laughs> you can either come closer to it and have a, have an understanding of how your mind works, I guess, through observation or as Sam Harris says, It seems to me, he said, it seems to me that I spend much of my waking life in a neurotic trance just Mm. from like, that's just, especially that's how the thoughts work. It's like, Mm. they just keep coming up and up and up. But yeah, I think, I think it's very, very, very interesting topics that he covers. And obviously he's a human being, a very smart human being, but you know, he has his convictions on many things and. I guess we might misinterpret those convictions just from, but I think ultimately his message or what he's trying to get across when he talks about well-being through mindfulness and all these sort of things, his heart's in the right place for sure, and it's just used. It's just practical getting an understanding of what's going on within your Mm. conscious awareness. From yeah, yeah. So interesting.
0: You know, my big takeaways from this talk were. Yeah, the idea of non-judgment of self, mm-hmm. non-judgment of others as much as possible. And that, that's, there's a full loop of trying to be more mindful and present. You won't be able to like actually go on that journey properly without constantly practicing non-judgment of self internally, non-judgment of others externally and the things that are happening in the world. I think another big one was, I never thought about it before, but the, extending that old saying about the finger in the moon and thinking about how there's just all these different things like going at the same moon. Yeah. That actually, I never thought of it that way before, but actually makes sense for what I believe right now. So I'll, I'll walk with that for a while. Cause that's just the idea that stop trying to like find the winning side. They're all partly right, but the harder they argue with one another, the more they're also wrong. Mm. And so the and not the or, is a big takeaway for me. i am trying. there was so much in there. You know, not, yeah, I always struggle to articulate this, but not trying to, not getting obsessed with making things objective and not leaning too far into science because there's a lot of miscommunication that happens. And I, I think I've said this to you before, but the more you try to attack something or contradict it, the more you become hypocritical and you become the thing you seek to destroy.
1: It's like, yeah, it's like the, having The more a you go... use
0: science to attack religion, the more you make science like one of the religions you're attacking.
1: Or the more you start yelling about crazy political views and making the being more, very the vocal, more you the more you're, political... you're actually the yeah. same person realistically. Yeah,
0: the more you criticize someone for the way they treat you, the worse you're treating them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take this in any, any way, like, and that, I guess the opposite's almost true. So... The more you demonstrate what you think is right rather than criticizing what other people are doing the more ethical you will be Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so i try to do less and less telling people what to do and actually just living what i believe is right Mm -hmm. and then then you come back to that all stations lead to just be Because instead of you telling people what to do, you just be yourself.
1: They make their own and observations. They're, they're actually more likely to go
0: down the path you think is right. But by that point, you would have abandoned that as an objective. Cause you would focus on just being. Hmm. So I don't know if you had anything I missed as a recap, big ideas to take away. The mind, the way you explained mindfulness was. I thought remarkable. I thought that was great. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Smitty gets to come back next week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm still it's on. Renewal. Um, <laughs>
1: well, I can only explain it because I've, I've done you've it. you gone on the journey. Yeah. Well, a little bit, a very, very small amount. And I think 30 days was enough to establish that it is valuable, especially when you, you only get glimpses. It's like, small glimpses of clarity it's not like you're this this incredible aware being it's like no it's the same thing except you're just a little bit more aware
0: you're not sad guru just yet
1: (laughs) no certainly not and it's funny because it gets you gets you to sort of be aware obviously be aware of, of this state of consciousness and then it's like you start i think we talked about this you even start getting an ego for that you're being more self-aware and then you're like hang on a minute
0: (laughs) other people would be better off if they were just self-aware like i am (laughs) not too absorbed with themselves
1: it's like oh no (laughs) have i just gone full circle (laughs) <laughs> what did i do this for oh. no i really enjoyed this conversation yeah,
0: this is a um, mind bender probably yeah. but that's uh, important part of what we do oh i love you yeah. luke check out show notes and description right, for mate. more guys if you li- if anyone's still listening or watching description show notes for the newsletter and guiding beyond this but yeah thanks again and good luck with everyone on the mindfulness journey thanks joe